on this week's episode of Polk and Kush. Stan Van Gundy is still talking about the Pelicans, and we are trying to figure out what the heck they're trying to do. We've got a whole bunch of Saints news with Janoris Jenkins and Ryan Ramchick. We've got overrated, underrated, the worst. We've got garbage, and we've got TikTok. What more could you want? Stick around right here. Polk and Kush. Welcome everyone to Poke and Cush. It's Wednesday, July 7th, 2021, and I have made another trip around the sun, and we're all happier for it. Happy birthday, Scott Kushner. Thank you, buddy. How old you turn? 30 goddamn seven. Oh my God. Late 30s, officially, everybody. Well, you look good. You're listening to two podcasters, one of whom is in their late 30s and one of whom is in their mid-30s. I'm on the sick. I feel like the f- you only get mid-30s when you're 35. I'm 36. Oh, I thought 36 was the last year of your mid-30s. I don't know. Either way, a doctor is putting <laughs> his finger in my butt next year. <laughs> oh, God, man. It's like uh, people wish you happy birthday. You're like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> <laughs> Because they're like, your friends. Oh, oh, guys. Like, come on. I just I'm done. It's so hard for you having friends. <laughs> I get so many texts. And everyone remembers oh. everyone remembers my birthday because it's on a holiday. It's on July 4th. So everyone kind of just remembers uh, that it is that day. They just kind of correspond <laughs> to those things. Like, oh, yeah. I remember Scott getting blackout drunk on July 4th and it being his birthday. Like, you know, 16 years ago. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, great. Uh, but now it's just like I'm just getting a lot of texts. And what do you respond to a birthday text? Just thanks. And then there's really nothing else. You to say. too. It is so much better than the remember the birthday phone calls. That was the worst. No, I don't. People would call and be like, hey, happy birthday, man. Be like, thanks. No, my that's mom. it. <laughs> I got nothing. Do I, am I supposed to catch up with you now for what happened in the last year? I don't know. My birthday calls my mom and then she'd be like, what are you doing? And you can't tell her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to bed, going to go to Bennigan's and then uh, hit the hay. Been tapping my forearm all day trying to get, find this vein. Uh, <laughs> and then she's like, you know, your father wants to say happy birthday. She can't find him. Where are you? No. Okay. He doesn't love you. Anyway, happy birthday. <laughs> but it was good. We got to hang out with you. That was, yeah. a, that was a perk. It's always fun hanging out with your friends because I'm, you know, they're like, who's this mysterious pulp character? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're like, it's the guy uh, giving out vodka tampons <laughs> at the door like it's prom. That was fun. We went to Ale on Oak. Yeah. Sporting our sponsor. It was wonderful. Great service at Ale. Wonderful beers. It was a, a great time. And then, look, man, like the 7 p.m. concert that is now becoming a thing in the city post-pandemic uh, all in. Oh, Couldn't yeah. be more all in. Used to be like you have to wait till eleven o'clock for a show to start at the Maple Leaf. Seven fifteen, 
concert starts over by nine. Just like amazing. That was killer. People are notoriously late for events in New Orleans. So saying like, hey, this is at seven and it's actually starting at seven. Yeah. We got there a little late. They were already rocking and rolling. It was great. That might get New Orleanians uh, to get their ass in gear and actually get to events on time. Uh, which would be nice for the city, <laughs> yeah. people to put on shows, things like that. I enjoyed it a lot. It's going to be really nice when the time changes back again, and it's very, you know, it's like a little dark because it was still light. Yeah, when it was there. Was, you're right. That's you're the right. only downside, a little bit, and I don't even mind it. Yeah, it's weird being in the Maple Leaf when you can see light outside. But other than like when you were in the concert, like the in the you know the actual music area in the hall, uh, it. I was like, yeah, might as well be 2.30 in the morning. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, this is great. I was like, I've only been here, you know, at 1.30 in the morning, just kind of trying to figure out what to do with myself. Yeah, like, there's no windows. Maybe there were windows. It was yeah, covered up by no, all the, yeah, the Delta variant in the air. <laughs> there's no light. The only lights that come in are red light bulbs in the bar area. Like, that place is the best, man. I miss the Maple Leaf. God, I hadn't been there in so long. And uh, Honey Island Swamp Band killed it. Uh, it was just fun to see live music. It really like that was a uh, that was a very pre-pandemic kind of uh, night out. There was nothing that was any remotely different from pre-pandemic to now. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed the band. I never seen them live before. I uh, I'm seeing this lady, and I told her I was like, I'm going to see Honey Island Swamp Band. She's like. Oh, once I saw them and Robert Plant got on stage and sang a couple of Led Zeppelin songs with them. <laughs> that would have been cooler. I was like, oh, well, that probably won't happen tonight. <laughs> that, that 815 on Oak Street. It's like, I'm the special guest is me. I'm going to get on stage and sing Sugar Ray with them. Uh, but it was uh, it was very nice. It was good to see a whole bunch of people, even though like almost everybody I knew was out of town. So hopefully a lot of you are listening to this on your drives back to New Orleans right now or back to wherever it is that you live. A lot of people took the uh, the week off. So it has been uh, very empty around here. It's been nice, but the news has not really slowed down, uh, especially when it comes to the Pelicans. What's gone on in the last few days has been very interesting, uh, most of which has been supplied by Stan Van Gundy. And so let's start there. Uh, Van Gundy went on two different Dan Lebertard Show podcasts and basically said uh, that David Griffin doesn't quite know what he's doing, uh, essentially, when it came to coaching, that they had two very different philosophies uh, that Stan thought he should be basically judged uh, exclusively on coaching and Griff thought it should be on a little bit more of a, I guess, holistic uh, measure of happiness and and various things like that. And uh, it just sounds like every time that Stan talks now, you're going, what the hell did Griff see in that interview room? <laughs> like, what the hell? How, how, how did this marriage ever come about to begin with, honestly? Well, uh, I don't think Stan is doing himself any favors by saying, I should be judged for my coaching with the Pelicans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he did that, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll read the quote exactly here. It said, uh, I think what quote, I think what Griff was concerned with the atmosphere around the team and the happiness of people and things like that. That was probably the biggest difference between us. If I had gone into a meeting and somebody were to say, hey, you were 31 and 41, that wasn't good enough, I'd have no problem with that. That's what we sign up for in this business. Regardless of the circumstances, what we sign up for, but that's not what it came down to or what I heard. We just took things totally differently in terms of what's important. So as we've said 
countless times this podcast. David Griffin is the full wants the full collaborative experience. The everybody loves everybody. We're all a family. We've got a holistic approach. We're Tony Robbins uh, at the top of a basketball you know franchise. Uh, that's the opposite of Stan Van Gundy. And it's also the opposite of Alvin Gentry, quite frankly, who was a player's coach but also didn't really give a shit about any of those other things. How did this happen? How bad was this guy at interviewing that he couldn't get to how different the philosophy is between him and the dude he just pledged $20 million to? Well, is it that the, you know, are, are interviews going badly or do people just not want to touch this franchise? Is, yeah. Is the franchise absolute poison to someone that's been a head coach before? I mean, the choices last time weren't great, and there was an even uh, more limited timetable than there is this time. You know, Becky Hammond was getting thrown thrown around last time. Uh, who else? Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, Will Weaver players. was in the mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, they didn't have a. They huge... could have hired Charles Lee. They and they could have hired uh, Willie Green. Both of them would have been available last year, which is where they're going to end up now. But I hear what you're saying. Well, maybe uh, Griff was. Uh, didn't want to take a chance, what he would consider to be a chance with yeah. an unexperienced coach. He wanted to go with the workhorse, maybe having JJ talking in his ear about it could mm-hmm. have helped somewhat. Uh, but the, the focus now should be get the coach. Yeah. Go ahead and get one now. Prolonging this doesn't really do any good. Yeah. Um, let's make it happen. I just find it so I, I guess baffling is the word is now Stan has talked a couple times and it just seems like him and Griff were on such radically different expectations as to what the Pelicans expected from their head coach. And it's like Stan was very clearly a gruff, grumpy, like, give me the facts. I'm going to play that my guys get out of my way. I'm going to coach the team and the and you know let the record fall where it may the my only measure of judgment is the standings at the end of the year and meanwhile i think griff is all in on like a uh, the new agey you know everybody love everybody we're all going to do this together we're a family they're they're such completely different approaches to the same thing that it's Almost impossible to think how they went through an interview process. Griff praised this guy as being the most amazing human being and this incredible person and all this stuff. And you now it comes out. It's like they didn't know anything about each other. Well, you, you ever lied? They didn't know a, anything about each other. Have you ever lied in a job interview before? Yes. I have. I'm operating a forklift right now. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> we lied in our resume. We know nothing about construction. <laughs> you know, it was a different time when Stan became the coach. Maybe he didn't know if we were all going to die or not. <laughs> he wanted to, he's trying to get a little nest egg for his family. So he's like, absolutely. When they get off the plane, I'm going to give them prayer beads. I'm going to read their star signs. I've got tarot cards. Let's have fun. Let's learn about the spirits of basketball mm-hmm. together. I think Stan lied to get this job because he thought we were all going to die. Yeah. Back then they were saying, oh, if you're a little overweight, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> if you're a little overage, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're in Florida, you're especially <laughs> going to die. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose I, from Stan's point of view, yeah, he could have lied about it. And yeah, he even if he knew that it was not what he wanted, at least he got the money. Like, that's what the money's for kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you don't necessarily agree with the guy at the top, but eh, they're going to pay you a whole bunch of money to do this. <clears throat> from Groove's perspective, like, did he ask him anything about, like, what he thinks a head coach is supposed to be judged on? Did he ask him, like, oh, do you care if the players are miserable? Do you have any desire to make it not a horrible place to play right. and be? Because from every indication is that Brandon Ingram was not very happy. Now, Stan was very adamant to say that Zion was not the coach killer here, uh, that it was not have to do with Zion. But at the same time, I think it was pretty obvious that they didn't have a great relationship. Uh, they weren't particularly good friends. It, it wasn't Zion. It was Zion's stepdad. Of course, yeah. It's all the <laughs> yeah, stepdad. It's all, yeah, it's all the stepdad. Zion yeah. doesn't have anything no, to Zion's say. Zion's perfect, yeah. It's a stepdad. He loved Coach can... Gundy, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there, there, there's kind of a rumor, or not a rumor, but just kind of a, a understanding in, in certain coaching circles that Griff is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. Do, would that lead coaches like Stan to make excuses for Griff so he has a shot at staying in the league with some other job by not being too difficult, saying things like, well, it, it's an absurd excuse to say, well, Griff had a completely different idea than me and he still hired me. Yeah, That's a, kind of an absurd thing to say. Yes. Is this an excuse to hide what's really going on is this him covering for uh griff as some kind of like shake hands thanks for letting me go and paying me and not burning me to the ground and vice versa i don't know that'd be a weird smoke screen for him to throw out i don't i just don't see the benefit of what he'd get out of it uh and just frankly talking to stan as often as we did this season you know with all these interviews like that's who he is man like and the two of them just sound totally different when you talk to them and what they are and what they represent and what they think uh, is important when it comes to winning basketball. And look, if, if Stan had won 50 games this season, would he have been fired because people were unhappy? No. no. Like, let's be very clear. Like, that was a tiebreaker in a lot of ways. was like, oh, yeah, you very highly, un you seriously underachieved and everyone's miserable. So in order to come back next year, You've got to really change that. And I think that was going to be like, uh, yeah, Stan's not going to change his approach. Like, this is who Stan is. And that's basically what he's saying now is like, I can't believe how different what we both expected this to be and what it turned out to be. So it's really weird uh, from Griff's perspective. I don't know. Like, clearly Griff is a pain in the ass to work for, for, the, for those type of coaches. When you talk about older coaches who were came up in an era where management was on one side of the building, the team and the coaches were on the other side of the building, and they didn't really interact that much. They're not, you know, intertwined. That's not the way a lot of NBA teams are now, and certainly not the way this NBA team is going to work under this management structure. They needed someone more collaborative. Frankly, I was a lot of the problem with Monty Williams and Dell Demps however many years ago that was, because Dell wanted to have more say, and Monty didn't want him involved in the process at all, and it came to a head, and Mickey Loomis had to pick one, and he picked the wrong guy. Uh, so this is not rare, but there are coaches who exist who 
are okay with the new AG stuff, who are okay with the collaborative process, who do understand all that. Steve Kerr comes to mind. Steve Nash comes to mind. Like, there are guys who get it to a higher degree. Stan Van Gundy, from the moment his name came out, I could have told you, he is not going to be one of those guys. So how on earth did this happen? Nothing. I, you know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, we've all, again, we've all lied in a job interview. Right. This is to a different scale than getting a job at Sears. But they don't know, they didn't know who you were beforehand. Well, this, uh, you know, just kind of plants seeds of doubt in uh, what the current coach will be. Yeah. And uh, really just in Griff, I would say more doubt in Griff than the franchise. Yeah, that's fair. And it's more like as they go through this. So like we mentioned there, the coaching search continues. I, I do expect it to be wrapped up fairly soon. But the two leading candidates, Willie Green with Phoenix and Charles Lee with Milwaukee, are both coaching in the finals right now. So that might be the delay. Uh, but it's pretty obvious this is the last. He can't screw this up again. So I hope he learned a lesson from extending Alvin. I hope he learned a lesson from uh, hiring Van Gundy and now the fallout that you're seeing publicly. Uh, you would think that if there's ever a time to learn, that he would have learned it over these last two years and that he's going to get it right this time around. Well, if he is or if he isn't, one thing is absolutely certain, we mentioned this in the last podcast, is this next season – will be Zion's last season with the Pelicans, and it will be Griff's last season with the Pelicans if things go to shit one more time. Yeah, if they don't get this right, uh, there's a lot on the line. This is it. Yeah, and it's more than just coaching. We know that the roster construction will be much more important, and Griff hadn't been amazing at that, but he's been better at it than hiring coaches. It's objectively impossible to be worse than these hiring coaches right. where he's over two thus well, far you, in a contract. So You worry about eroding the relationship with the remaining players, uh, especially with Zion and Brandon Ingram, yeah. the only players that matter on the team. Sure. Uh, and this is not just seeds of doubt for a coach because, you know, I, I feel like we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on the importance of a coach. If a team is clicking and has the right players, they can get away with substandard coaching. Yeah. And uh, if a team is the opposite and they have a great coach and they have substandard players, they can get away with a great with, with yeah. that setup as well. The Pelicans have shown neither situation <laughs> is a possibility. And uh, it it you have to wonder what these players are thinking specifically about the management, yeah. not just about a franchise of failure. Mm hmm. The, uh, a culture of not winning, but also this culture of buffoonery. Yeah. This culture of uh, no accountability. And quite frankly, just this very puzzling situation with Stan and Griff. You try and wonder why it happened, how it happened, and it doesn't tell you that it's not going to happen again. So that's, that's not a good look for a team. No, but it also, we look back and say, like, they had this many problems. They were this dysfunctional, frankly. I mean, the, compare, when you think of how different pages they were after one year, and you go, if, the, what, 10 minutes of basketball goes differently for this team, they're 500? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, they still weren't that far away. You know, they're the, that maybe putting a coach in who does understand philosophically more what they want to do, who does connect better to Brandon Ingram, who does bring out Zion Williamson in a different way, and they go get a couple of shooters. Like There are like so many very manageable areas to fix that this whole thing that of 
Griff kind of looking like he's just keeps swinging and missing. This I don't think he's missing by the margin. It looks bad when you swing at a pitch and miss, but there's a difference between missing at a pitch by 20 miles an hour and barely, you know, foul tipping one into the catcher's mitt. I think he's a little closer than maybe it looks, even though objectively their swings and misses, I think they are a little bit closer uh, than the eye would or than the, the objective fact would tell you. But clearly, tons of pressure coming in the next season. But we've seen teams make very large leaps. We've seen moves be available that we didn't expect. Shit, turn on the NBA Finals right now and look at the team in Phoenix. Like, there are a lot of things that can happen very quickly. I am not ready to throw in the towel on this team or, or no. declare things dead. This I, is just a weird mystery spot. Yes, with a they're very in a weird, weird, weird team. Yes. This is a weird team. This is a weird situation. And Stan coming out and saying this is another question mark. Will it matter if the team wins 45 games next season? Yeah. No, it yeah. won't. Will we remember this if the team wins 50 games? Absolutely not. <laughs> and, well, it'll just make the next coach look like a genius. Right. right? Yeah. The, I mean, that's... And, you know, the only coach we need to worry about having a good rapport with Brandon Ingram is Chauncey Billups. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we will... Uh, we'll, on that note, we will take a quick break. Uh, we will talk some Saints and a little news uh, coming in there. Of course, we've got uh, some ESPN controversy. We've got overrated. We've got underrated. And of course, there's the week. So we stick around. We'll be right back. And Kush. Ale on Oak, everybody. That's Ale on Oak Street. 30-plus beers on tap. The best patio in New Orleans if you want nice food around nice people in a lovely setting. There is no finer place to go in New Orleans than Ale on Oak Street. Polk, how much did you enjoy your time over there last weekend? I had a great time. I got there around 5.30. There were people. It was hopping, but it wasn't crazy. I was able to sit down. I ate most of your wife's French fries while she wasn't looking. (laughs) I uh, went, oh, 30 beers on tap, huh? How's the high life? (laughs) It was ice cold, delicious, champagne of beers. Bartender, I'm sorry I didn't get your name. She was wearing a punk rock bowling shirt. We talked about punk rock for a while. You guys were playing Rancid. (laughs) I was like, hey, guys, this album came out in 1999. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Music was great. Staff was great. Um, Your friend talked me into an old fashioned. It was great. Yeah, and uh, it was a uh, it was a very nice time. Uh, that patio is just bitching, and it's just a cool place to be, man. That's definitely one of my favorite places to hang out. Of course, from there now, there's like a, a great restaurant down the corner. There's another. There's Maple Leaf down there, like Giacomo's. Obviously, there's tons of stuff now on Oak Street. It's such a cool place to be. Uh, so even if you're not going to eat dinner, if you just want to get apps and get a drink, that's great. But they also had a killer burger. Uh, that we had and the fries were awesome. There's lots of food, full menu, everything that you could want. Ale on Oak. I, uh, I I don't know what else to tell you guys. If you're not going there, you're, you're just kind of a dummy at this point. Yeah, the patio was a uh, shady. T- it was a hot day. Yeah, patio was shady. I was refreshed. Yeah, 
But you make a good point. Go down to Oak Street, park the car, walk up and down, start off at Ale, end at Ale, go to Ale in between. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's cool, man. And believe me, they got the seven o'clock shows now at the Leaf, a great spot to either start or finish after you go there. I can't uh, recommend it enough. Go see Pat and all the folks over there at Ale on Oak. That is uh, about a block off of Carrollton right there on Oak Street. Uh, and tell them that Polk and Cush sent you. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, podcast, Janoris Jenkins, he went on a podcast. And he did not trash the Saints. Yeah, it's he said he nice. loved it. He said he loved playing for the Saints. That was like really, uh, it was kind of weird. Like, remember when Darren Sproles left and he just like killed them? Oh, yeah. And a lot of guys, you know, Adrian Peterson, I think, did the same thing. Like, a lot of guys, they well, leave. Well, that, that one was expected. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. Uh, a lot of guys, they leave their team. Generally, people leave their team and they kind of talk shit about them whenever they leave because they left for a reason. Uh, and the Saints basically cut Jenkins. I mean, they just they couldn't pay him or they didn't feel like he was, uh, you know, worth it. And anyway, he came out and basically was like, look, there's a reason the Saints win every year. He's like, they treat their players well. He's like, we, the meetings are not at 730. They're at 930. They don't give a crap if you come in five minutes. Uh, like, if you show up, if the meeting's at 930 and you get there at 929, you're fine. Uh, and then he was like, the, the practices are, like, very reasonable. They're not killing you. Like, you do a couple of plays. You do them all out. And then, like, a walkthrough is actually a walkthrough. You're refreshed. You're ready to play for the games. Like, Basically, I think the message was like Sean Payton and his staff treat these guys like professionals and they understand that they have got to be ready to play on Sunday and that all of the other rah-rah and uh, fake military type BS doesn't matter and that they're very focused on like, you guys show up on Sunday, you're going to be fine. That's what you get with a team in New Orleans. They don't care if you're late. (laughs) We did it. We know that you're... (laughs) It like say what you will about New Orleans, you can show up late anywhere. <laughs> anywhere, no one cares. <laughs> there is a laissez-faire attitude regarding it. It's like, look, dude, just show up on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Get there, get to the game on time. Just get there, please. We'll send a bus. <laughs> it is a. Uh, it's it. You know, you just the think- bus will fall into a chasm. <laughs> the bus will get carjacked, but we're gonna send one. There's just so much of the, uh, yeah, that fake military kind of, uh, you know, barking dog sort of coaching in, the, in, in football. It's such a, uh, it's instilled in the culture of football. Of like, if you're not 10 minutes early, it means you're like Coughlin time, you know, that whole kind of thing. And, uh, and we're going to hit the crap out of each other in a walkthrough because it's going to toughen you up and we need you to play each rep like it's, you know, competing, competing all the time. And it's like, I think Sean Payton after however many years of doing this and understanding he's got a good team that he understands he can respect. He's like, look, you guys figure it out. I feel like it's never former players as coaches doing that militant bullshit. Yeah. It's always like some guy that played like third string quarterback at Lamar. (laughs) Never saw a minute on the field. He's yeah. like, you disrespect me. The 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 best example of that is like the uh, Division Three football on Netflix. Yeah, where it's oh, always yeah. some like white rapper from the West <laughs> Bank, like coaching a bunch of kids. It's it's the longest yard basically, but they're uh, free. Yeah, man. It's uh, there's so much of that. It's so I thought it was interesting. That was like the first time I'd ever really heard 
it expressed that way. And it is always funny when we talk, when we talk about a player's happiness, it's like almost always like about the success on the field or about how much money they're making or about, you know, it's like things that are very obvious from the outside. Never, ever have we discussed like, you know why the saints are good? Cause they have meetings at nine 30 yeah, instead of seven 30 sleep later. <laughs> They probably have better catering. I mean, that's probably a real thing. <laughs> I'm sure. And it's like, you know why they're better? It's like, because they only do four practice reps instead of 10. Yeah. And so they're all more excited to play on Sunday. Like, they're not beaten up. It's like, just things that none of us would ever think about that, like, when you're actually in the league, that's like a huge deal yeah, for you. You can do your walkthroughs and then go down the street to Ale on Oak, yeah. <laughs> have one of 30 beers on tap. And Sean Payton will probably be right there with you. Yeah. That's no big deal. So I just thought that was like kind of an illuminating, uh, you know, thought into uh What into podcast chicken. with that if, any, what, if anybody wants I, to check it out? Yeah, I completely forget the name of it. I'm okay. going to say. It was, something, too. it was something in Nashville because he plays for the Titans now. Uh, but anyway, I like Jack Rabbit. He was a good player, man. Um, yeah, he was. ESPN, Pro Football Focus, whatever it is, they uh, ranked the Saints roster at number 17 uh, in the NFL. So if you recall last year, the uh, the big thing going back and forth, the Saints had the best roster in the NFL. That was said over and over and over again by the media here. I don't think it was really true, but now it is pretty clear that uh, at least, you know, from the objective measures of PFF, uh, 17th, so that is the definition almost of middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of fair. I do too. Um it's, it's very fair considering how little is known about this team yet, how little is known about uh, whoever the quarterback is going to be. You can't. This is not really a thing you can complain about because it has no merit on anything other than <laughs> gambling and video games. <laughs> this is, you know, this is Dungeons and Dragons for nerd. Like, yeah, for sports, nerds. for sports nerds. Yes, it is. I mean, they just throw rankings out there. It's just red meat to talk about. Yeah, what were the Bucks ranked no, last year? Well, I don't know. What they were last year. They were probably pretty high last year uh, with Brady coming in. They're number one. Uh, this year, but your other division foes, I think Carolina was 27, Atlanta was 25. Uh, so, you know, I, I, all of that sounds reasonable enough to me. I don't know enough to tell you they about don't the factor in stuff like age. Everybody on Tampa has gotten older. Sure, but they still are very t- talented. You know, Tennessee, they, they've got a good roster. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. I guess there's, I mean, see, this is how the nonsense gets, you start thinking about it and you go, well, that doesn't make the most, I don't know about, and then you're an internet commenter in real life. Uh, I mean, I guess the question is like, are there 16 teams that have better rosters than the Saints? And I think that's probably fair. I couldn't name them necessarily, but I could, I think if you told me that I'd agree with it. Yeah. Unless the couple, and we talked about it last week, like, all it takes is a couple of those X factors, man. Like well, if Jameis is really good, yeah. Like all of a sudden they're a top ten team. If uh, if the freaking Caesar Ruiz is, becomes like a, a Pro Bowl level guard, yeah, they're going to be really good. Like it doesn't take that much. They have enough high level pieces that you understand how they can make it work. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think you could rate them any higher than the middle of the pack team. No, of course not. They're just not. They're the, they're. They're now just like, eh, the Saints, as compared to, like, the fucking Saints. There's just uh, there, so much of 
the Saints for the last 20 years has been based off of having a steadfast quarterback. Yeah. You can't do that with Jameis. These rankings mean nothing. 17 is fun. Whatever it is, 17, 8. What do you say? 17? 17. All right, sure. Yeah. But, you know, 30 teams could have a better roster than the Saints, depending on which way the wind is blowing. Yeah. But here's the thing. Last year, they were rated all so highly and all this stuff, and it didn't matter because Breeze was terrible. Yeah. Like, Breeze was awful last year. He was very hurt, clearly, but he was just bad objectively when he played. And so, therefore, they were not anywhere close to having the best roster in the NFL because a lot of that was built on Breeze being, you know, your quarterback is worth so much more than any other player in the field. I do, uh, I do think if Jameis, I think Jameis will be better than Breeze last year. I don't think that's a very hard ask. Breeze sucked. Like, I don't think they can, I don't think they will be significantly worse at that position than they were last year. No, if Jameis is healthy, uh, that'll be better than Breeze, regardless. Yeah. Other, Inter- I mean, unless he throws, yeah. Not, exactly. I don't know. Even interceptions or not, this dude's going to sling it. He's yeah. got people around him. Three interceptions a game, give me five touchdowns, and we'll call it even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. It's like, I don't know, is that better than Drew Brees grounding balls and not being able to throw it seven yards? And, like, I, I can't answer that because when you see that first pick six from Jameis, you're going to want to slam gonna, your head through the wall. It's going to be fun. You know? I am going to slam my head through the wall. It's going to be fun. When you have an arm, you have a chance. You can look at it that way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you can make big plays, I think it will feel a lot less of a grind. It'll be a lot less. And we have a lot of weeks to, to, to talk about it going in, but uh, I, I don't think that position will be downgraded significantly. And if everyone knew what breeze was going to be entering last year. That's probably not far off from where they would have been. In a lot of these roster rankings. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. What else do we have for the saints? Oh, uh, Ryan, a uh, is now the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. Uh, I believe it's 19 million. Is that right? 19.2 million. Yeah. And it includes an option language in there to pay him 1 million more if he makes all pro at left tackle. Is that correct? Yeah. So they're saying, I guess this is, uh, the Saints have sort of set the table that there's a chance that they move Ramchick to the other side, left tackle being a more valuable position, blind side of the quarterback. Uh, so I, I guess what this is saying is, they're setting the table for the chance that Ramchick, they're paying him like a left tackle, even mm-hmm. though he's a right tackle. And that if he becomes a left tackle and he's really good at it, they're going to pay him even more. Is that common? I don't think so. No, maybe among right tackles. I don't know contract language of right <laughs> tackles across the NFL. I couldn't name you another right I've tackle. I've just never seen that stipulation called out. I've seen right yeah, tackle by. New stories before, but I've never seen that, that actual thing pointed out. It is a much less sexy position yeah. uh, because it does not protect the blind side, and therefore it's not as critical. However, it does. Armstead gets hurt every single season. Uh, I think they're preparing for the idea that they're going to have to move him uh, across at, at some point. And, he, and he's been damn good. And he's probably good enough to be a frontline left tackle. He's certainly the best right tackle that the Saints have had in a very long time. So uh, good for him. Totally deserved. The Saints keep finding money. I don't know Somehow. where. I mean, every all you ever hear about is how they have no cap money and their dead cap and all this stuff. And then it's like, all right, well, they just made Ryan Ramchick the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. I don't know how any of it works. It does. It's just magic. We're still giving people $600 a week to sit at home. <laughs> I don't know how the NFL's doing it. I don't know how the government's doing it. The NFL's doing it. 
At least these guys are putting in work. <laughs> uh, I just want to, I'm very ready to stop hearing about the same salary cap. It really is just. It's fantasy. It's made up. It's monopoly money. They lost, they lost Jenkins. Jackrabbit Jenkins. That's it. Nobody else was a real a real cap casualty that matters. I mean, you, you never see like a, a coach at the end of the season going, you know, well, if we had more money. Yeah, it's like you just have a couple of guys who make all right. the NFL is very interesting with that. The NBA, I feel like the cap is everything. And maybe I'm just more attuned to it. But like because of the way the NBA is set up and so few contributors, like the money is so critically important. The NFL, it, it really just seems like a joke. And they're able to kick the can all over the place and and do all these voidable years and all sorts of BS to get around it. Well, the only thing I know is that I uh, don't understand what any of it means. <laughs> well, at least we've got that. And I'll never look it up. I'll never, I don't know how to pay my taxes. You think I'm going gonna... to look up the intricacies of the NFL salary cap? Um, no, yeah. I'm not so... going to do that. I have, I'm watching Killing Eve. I'm not going to look up this shit oh so that'll take us uh through the saints and into a little bit of polk news polk news polk news the most informative part of your week polk news former lsu track superstar shakari richardson tested positive for thc now do you know what that is scott it's marijuana. And how do you know that? Uh, Shakari Richardson has received a one-month suspension from uh, running fast <laughs> because she tested positive for THC, which you could like buy at Walgreens now. I think. Yeah, we Let's... covered CBD last week. It's fake. THC is real. Yeah. And she tested positive for it. That's the good stuff. And they're not going to let her run in the Olympics, which, given the resurgence of Corona with the Delta variant, she might be thanking her lucky stars. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it sucks, but... Could... Dude, the Olympics are going to be an absolute disaster. Of course. Because the best part about the Olympics, you would hear the rumors about like going on the roof and then just be condoms everywhere. The yeah. athletes are having sex. You're going to go on the roof now. It's going to be mask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like not allowed to talk to me. It's like the basically like a bubble with it sounds kind of miserable. Yeah, it's going to be horrible. Uh, anyway, the, the point I wanted to make is that it's very dumb to suspend someone because they had marijuana in their system when they're a runner. If they're an ice road trucker, <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> tightrope walker, heart surgeon. Maybe. I'm saying maybe on those. You're a runner. You're faster. She's the fastest woman in America on the 100 meter, which yeah. I guess would mean just in general she's the fastest. Sure. And she took weed, which I don't know about you, but it slows me down. Slowing me down. If you, if you saw me on Kush's birthday night. <laughs> I wouldn't say it slowed you down. It definitely veered you in a different direction. <laughs> So it's impressive she can run straight, quite frankly. I drove home very slowly. <laughs> no, I walked. Oh, God. The, uh, I, is there one person who's defending this decision? Uh, I mean, what a joke. 
There's like scolds on Twitter saying shit like, well, she knew the rules. That's not the point. The uh, point is that follow the, the rules. That's like the Vandy people <laughs> and the whatever NC State got booted from oh, the yeah. COVID. They're like, follow the rules. Maybe they should have followed the rules. Like, it doesn't make it any less ridiculous the fact they didn't follow. Like, the rule is stupid. Like, let's address the fact the rule is stupid. Don't, who cares that they didn't follow the rule? The, we're not supposed to follow the rules. There's some speed limits that are 20 miles an hour that everyone drives 35. They're stupid rules. Address how dumb the rule is. Don't give me that everyone should just immediately follow every single goddamn rule you come up with. The, the people that praise rules, it's usually a team-by-team team situation. Vandy and, and North Carolina State. People yeah. are going, well, because they have a team invested in that. Yeah. Shakari uh, represents the country you live in, America. She's going to the Olympics. Yeah. So stand behind her because I guarantee you smoke weed or you have smoked weed. Yeah. Or you wouldn't pass. Also, she can smoke all the fucking cigarettes she wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, drink a pound of, you know, Jack Daniels. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, sure, the Olympics are stupid. I don't care one way or the other about running. This is a dumb thing. To a, a super athlete yeah. who, uh, you know, should be the face of our country in the Olympics. Very who, who, Name another Olympian. Nope. Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. There you go. She was our best one. Uh, Katie Ledecky, the swimmer. That's the only one I can do. Sure. Sure. I guess so. Not a good look for the country, um, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, on that note, we will go move right into your favorite part of every single week on this here program, ladies and gentlemen. Segments! Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Yeah, baby, yeah! Overrated. TikTok. We don't need another social media app. <laughs> There's an... I mean, I say there's another one. TikTok's been around for like three or four years now. There was the thing that, okay, if you want to get into some real deep conspiracy stuff, mm -hmm. what was it, a year and a half, a little pre-COVID, it was Trump is banning TikTok because it's a Chinese spy tool. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then some virus came from somewhere, and then everybody <laughs> was fucking doing the Dougie on TikTok, going, hey, this is great. Yeah, I mean, I, I've is, never been on is, TikTok. What does it, it have that you can't do on <laughs> anything on Snapchat? It's a video thing, and people are like lip syncing. I think that's how is it began: is lip lip syncing songs. Is it easier to like smash things together? Is that part of it? It might be. I mean, what is easy for these people? You go on there and you see somebody that's they would have to cut the trailer open. Mari Povich is going to have to come to their house and cut them out of the sofa for them to go anywhere. And they're doing the Numa Numa song or whatever. Yeah. It's like this is this app is abuse because <laughs> I and that's what I do. I go on there and I watch these Cretans and they're doing the Macarena in a trailer park in Huntsville, Alabama. And you can hear the dogs barking in the background. You can see the macaroni on the paper plate with ketchup on it. It's like, what are we doing? We don't yeah. need to be here. Twit uh, Facebook showed that old people are dumb. Twitter showed that young people are dumb. <laughs> Instagram showed that we're all beautiful and having a blast. LinkedIn, what do you do? What do you do on know. LinkedIn? LinkedIn calls me every day. They're calling me. They're emailing me. Fuck off, LinkedIn. <laughs> 
I, what is TikTok doing? TikTok is showing us that nothing matters. Yeah, it's an amazing cultural phenomenon that TikTok has become. I don't really, like, I, I mean, it, it is incredible. Every single young person is on it, and it's like... Now, if you like, if you don't have a bunch of dance moves where you're wiggling your pelvis around, you're kind of a loser. Well, they're all dancing. That was they're a, all dancing. At like the dancing height of fools. At height of COVID, you're like, oh, these nurses, they're all dying and getting sick, and they're doing <laughs> the electric slide. <laughs> What's going on here? And we all forgot that it's stealing. No one gives a fuck anymore that it's stealing their data. They're just like, yeah, but it's easy for me to sing along to uh, that Taylor <laughs> Swift song, Where You're Bad. Bad blood? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Sure. Uh, I'm sure it's just I'm old and I'm not doing it. That's definitely what it is. Yeah. 100% what it is. Should I get it? Give all my info to the Chinese? <laughs> the Chinese? Yeah. They don't, what are they going to do with it? They made my phone. I'm sure they're not stealing my data in other ways. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my overrated. Uh, so it's the time of the year I used to love... Uh, College football magazines are coming out. These are the the previews. So as the the July turns to August, which is fall camp, this is now when college football really starts to get going. The big college football preview issues. Uh, you're starting to read about who's who and where they all are and how things stack up and what. And and no sport does the preseason matter more than college football because what your ranking is at the beginning of the year very much dictates whether or not you can get a playoff spot and all these things. So. It used to be something I very much cared about. And they are still very popular. The Phil Steele Bible, the all these kinds of things. And I had a, I took about an hour to read some college football stuff recently. And I was like, God, this is a bunch of garbage, man. What a bunch of garbage. I was like, this is, I can't believe how much time I used to spend on this. This is a, this is all BS. This is just pumping up like rosters and recruiting rankings and just talking to coaches and it's like this is all bullshit this is fan fiction it's sci-fi this is garbage this isn't even a real thing and then you get through these and you're like well i think i know a lot about this team and then week one happens and you forget everything that you ever read in the preseason it's literally just a complete waste of time and i don't know if anybody else used to care about this as much as i did but i used to love these things and they're like on every bookshelf and every whatever like the college football is the biggest preview sport, and uh, it is a uh, yeah. It turns out that it sucks. I uh, I used to get uh, Street and Smith. Yeah, I used yeah, to get yeah. theirs at uh, I think they the Books a Million. Yeah, and Books a Million had five hundred of There's them. There's a thousand of them. Yeah, it was just a nice process because it was the the leaves don't change color here, <laughs> but you would go into the book section and you would see nine hundred football previews and they smelled good yeah. and they had the glossy <laughs> cover glossy, yeah. and they were usually like over the top design very bright and colorful mm -hmm. and there'd be Reggie Bush or somebody yeah. on the front. <laughs> I it was it was an experience getting those. It was fun to go through it because it's like to go back to sports nerddom, it's a little like uh, role playing. You're like, oh, this guy and this guy. Yeah, and it's like, oh, look out for USC's running backs this year. It's and like, that that kind of stuff, it always, like, there was the internet back then, of course, but it was just nice to have something printed out. You didn't have to print it out at the library on that true. paper yes. where you tore the sides off. Yes, you could carry it around for like the whole summer, too. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's 200 pages. And then you realize, like, I've read a one page 
article on Florida football written by some guy, and I don't care at all. It's like I know what the tight end situation in Florida looks like. I got a bunch of names thrown at me. It's like, what a waste of time. It's like, how did I? I spent countless hours reading these things. What an enormous. Who who is Aaron Hernandez? (laughs) It's like, what an enormous waste of time. So, I mean, I'm not blaming the people who make the magazines. It's really my fault. I overrated it, and so do many others who also read these damn things. So uh, my apologies to the world for spending a lot of time on college football magazines. Got it. What you got underrated? Underrated. Have I done this one before? Daiquiris? I don't know. At this point, I think we've touched almost everything. Everything in the world. <laughs> Daiquiris, underrated. I grew up an icy boy. Loved yeah. ices. Yeah. Gas station around the corner gave out little ices for Halloween. As an adult, you want some booze in your icy? Bam, daiquiri. Yeah. They're a little fruity for my taste. Well, so am I. <laughs> Just there's just a little I don't know. It's like uh, I can't. Ha- I I love an icy and I can't do a daiquiri. The daiquiri I don't go over the top. You know I stick with the traditional missionary position daiquiris. I go with the margarita. Uh huh. That's a good one. Or the one eighty. Oh, the, uh, the octane. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets high octane quick. <laughs> don't let your fire near that. I mean the. It's a million billion degrees outside. A koozie doesn't even work anymore unless you have a Yeti koozie, which you've already said are stupid. The daiquiri comes in the foam cup. It's killing the planet, but it keeps it works. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a good trade off. If you're going to kill the planet, at least have the thing that you're getting work. Uh, The daiquiri great by the pool. Great in the car. They have the drive. (laughs) They have a drive through. I'm not the bad guy here. Uh, I always within like four ounces of drinking a daiquiri. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can feel me getting hungover <laughs> as I'm drinking this. Like, it's just, it's the same way with like a hurricane now or something. Like I can, I, I know what this is going to do to my body. I agree. Like a frozen margarita. I will do every now and again, and I'll end up having two of them and I'll be drunk as hell. And then I will wake up like, you know, like a, I'm in a mummy costume at the, uh, you know, in the middle of the night. Uh, I just cannot do the daiquiri, mostly because I know the havoc it is going to wreak on my system at the end of the day. Yep. But they're good, tasty-wise. I think they're a good summer treat they're for me. a nice summer treat. That's fair. I'll, I'll think that's fair. Uh, my underrated is, so HBO Max. Are you an HBO Max subscriber? I'm a Maxinista. <laughs> A Maxman. Uh, HBO Max has a tab that's called uh, Last Chance. So on the HBO app, there's like a, I don't know, 100 million movies. The same thing we talked about last week. It's very easy to get fatigue going through these thousands of shows and movies and whatever. But the HBO Max has a tab that says Last Chance. So it's anything that's leaving within the month that is going to be off of the app. And what this does is creates a sense of urgency and it also limits the choices so that there's like 50 movies to choose from instead of 2,000. And if you don't watch it, it's going to go away in the next few weeks. Now, is it probably on another service that you also own? Probably. But you don't know. So there's a movie that's coming that's going away like uh, Argo is on there right now. Watch Argo. What? Up in the air is on there. Just watch it. 
So instead of going to pick like a random movie that you have to like search and search and search and come across and like, oh, I haven't seen this before. I've been waiting to see it. Just watch something you've already seen. But it's going away. So if there's a sense of urgency, I really love it. I love everything about The Last Chance. I would think Netflix should have it. I think Hulu should have it. I think all of them should have it. They should tell you exactly when the contract runs out that you are like going to lose this program. And then I would be more inclined to watch all of it, even though I've seen most of these things already. You're telling me you, you want to watch Argo multiple times? I've. Yeah, like especially if you haven't seen a movie. In what like, the hell is Argo? Is it the dragon? No, Argo's the uh, the one about the Iran missile crisis. No, the hostage crisis. Jesus, that the uh, yeah Iran hostage crisis with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. What am I thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking. Aragon. Of. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. Apocalypse Now. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's all kinds of movies on there. I was like, this is great. So I Batman Begins was on there recently. I hadn't. Se- how long does it have to be between seeing movies that it's like worth it to watch it again and kind of feels not necessarily new, but new, new enough that you don't remember a lot of it? Well, now that I'm 36, I could watch a movie every three months and wouldn't remember it. <laughs> like any movie that came out, any movie that I haven't seen in five years, it's, uh, it's a new movie. Yeah. Me. I don't basically. remember. I might remember the ending. I might remember a couple high points, but I don't remember the movie. No. And so it's great to have this last chance thing. It's like, oh, I've seen this. I'll watch it again. I'll watch Tommy Boy again. Sure, why not? Half I'm a million break pads. All over. Uh, all right, that'll take me into my favorite part of every single week on this here program, ladies and gentlemen. The worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Do not believe the imitators, the haters, or the losers. This is the original. A man in New Zealand, his home caught fire after he tried to cook steaks in the toaster. That's bad. (laughs) Sometimes a delayed response is the best one. According to a report by stuff.co.nz. You don't even make hot dogs in the toaster. An unnamed person put some raw steaks in his toaster and then left it on while he went to a restaurant to go get some french fries to go with his steaks. As he returned, he saw his house up in flames with the fire destroying the property. The man was quick to claim insurance money to cover the damages. He reportedly received $418,000, that's in USD, for the damage which was the maximum available to him under his policy. I don't have home insurance, but I don't think it covers burning your own fucking house down. (laughs) (laughs) Inability to understand what a toaster does. There's a photo of steaks in a toaster, and I don't know if, like, this reporter... They say journalism is dead, but this guy put steaks in a toaster and took a photo of it for the story. (laughs) He also contacted the insurance and financial services ombudsman to get an additional 200,000, but his policy terms barred him from getting that much. Oh, only half a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, we should all be so lucky. The man's act has received a response from appliance online's expert, Colin Jones. The first time he's been at, they woke Colin Jones up and they're like, Hey, you're the appliance expert, right? (laughs) Quick cue. I've got a bee in my bonnet. Can you put steaks in a toaster? (laughs) 
Cooking any raw food in a toaster is not only a health risk, but it could also create a fire hazard. Yeah, we know. Wait, really? It burned his house down. As a toaster is primarily designed to cook bread and not raw foods, the oils and fats would void the warranty of the toaster and could cause damage to it. Or burn your house down. Oh, my God. Also, it would be difficult to clean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's going to be difficult to clean because your roofing shingles are going to be melted (laughs) on the top of it. You could also... Okay, there's... This guy is an appliance expert because he keeps on giving reasons not to. You could also run the risk of cross-contamination by placing raw food in a toaster and reusing it. We don't need any more reasons not to toast our meat. I was like, are people putting like baked like uh, raw chicken into the toaster and thinking it's going to get the job done? I mean, I wouldn't put it past anybody. I mean, Am- Americans are dumb. Well, New Zealand, New Zealand, they're pretty stupid too. <laughs> His name was Stephen Adams. J- Jermaine Clement. <laughs> <laughs> Present. Um, that's incredible, man. Good lord, people are. Um, that's a to- you put a steak in the toaster in the toaster you're obviously in a kitchen how many different appliances can you make a steak on four well none I, of them are the toaster i feel like if this story had come out of america would have gone oh this guy did it for the insurance money yeah because he left yeah and then he too. got half a million dollars so obviously we have solved the crime yeah we will be coming to new zealand to extort this man and get a hundred two hundred thousand dollars out of him and then we're gonna burn down his house again <laughs> uh mine is more local this is not gonna take long uh but if you live in the new orleans area perhaps you realize that your trash is not getting picked up they're just not going to do anything about it. Uh, so if you have, uh, so there's two big city contracts. There's Metro and Richards. Richards seems to be okay that those people are getting their trash picked up. And Metro uh, is not. Uh, and they are having week-long or you know, days-long backups. People's trash is just sitting in the street. And it's, you know, a nice, cool 92 degrees outside. So it's not as if that trash is get nasty and it's not like anybody here would like overflow their trash cans and you know do anything gross like put it on the street you know and uh, so that would never happen so anyway from wwl tv uh short staff metro calls in help from iv ways to pick up their trash so the new orleans metro service group is making good on its promise to bring in some help garbage has been stacking up in front of people's homes in recent weeks and basically what they did is they had to call another trash company to handle the contract that they have. So they called an Ivy Waste to do their job. Shouldn't you just take the contract away from them and give it to the other people? That seems like the thing you would do. (laughs) Why? So they're just allowing this group to subcontract a different competitor to do... It's like if you went to Burger King... And Burger King was like, oh, we don't have any Whopper. We have no food here. We can't serve you anything. But we went to McDonald's. We bought some McDonald's burgers. We can sell you the McDonald's burgers. You'd be like, no, no, no. Just turn this into the McDonald's. (laughs) Let's just go to this McDonald's. So essentially what happened is they just don't have anything now. They have nothing. They are using 
the people from Ivy Waste, and everyone seems to be like, cool. Happy, and we're talking about it online and by phone, how prompt they've been today, and how courteous a neighbor said in Lake Vista. Because they're the better company, they should have the freaking contract. The the whole city just needs to become privatized by Amazon, by Google, <laughs> by uh, Sidney Torres, by Brad Pitt, by Drew Brees. Just let these guys privatize everything because the city can't do it on their own. Let Domino's fill in the potholes. Let Ivy come pick up my garbage. Somebody picked up my garbage today. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't also steal my last <laughs> remaining fucking garbage can. Oh, man. Uh, I have no idea when recycling. That recycling has been out there since I moved in. <laughs> I don't even think they have That's recycling unreal. here. Yeah. Metro Service Group owner Jimmy Woods, who is a you know millionaire, uh, said he was reaching out to his peers in the waste collection business for help. Metro has been plagued by recent labor shortages. Hey, guess what? So does everyone else. You just have to pay people more. A unbelievable neighbors have been complaining. The trash pickup has been delayed in some areas for weeks. Weeks? Just throw it in the street. Throw it in the pothole. Weeks? Throw it in the pothole. Oh, my God. <laughs> How do you not take the guy's contract away? Because I'm sure he's somebody's cousin. <laughs> I'm sure he's the comptroller's brother-in-law. Uh, anyway, now all the city's patting themselves in the back for them bringing in City Torres's company, who... Sydney basically said like he is having to pay these people a gazillion dollars in order to pick up the trash, which is what you have to do. The contract doesn't say how much you are supposed to be paying each employee. You have to pay them enough to fulfill the contract. It doesn't matter what the situation is. The city gives you millions upon millions of dollars to pick up the trash. You, therefore, pick up the trash. No matter how much you got to pay the guy 22 an hour, 25 an hour, 28 an hour. I don't care. Pay them. That's part of the responsibility of taking on the contract. So one company got it right with Richards. The other one is literally picking up your waste. How these, It is outrageous how this city works. No other city can possibly be like this. I don't think so. It's so freaking frustrating. Pay the garbage men. That job sucks. I also saw very quickly, I saw that a councilman was like, hey, you know what? Because you're not picking up the trash. Let's uh, take that off of the bill that we charge every month. You know, your water bill comes like a $25 mm -hmm. sanitation fee. It's like, let's just take that off of the bill for these people. And Latoya was like, absolutely not. There's no way we're doing that. <laughs> She's like, we're not giving money back. I was like, of course. Take your trash and take it to City Hall and just throw it out. Yeah. Go, hey, I brought it to you. This should be easier. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's all it's such a privilege to be in this uh, hellhole that we all love and <laughs> care so dearly about. So anyway, uh, that takes us through our episode. Uh, thank you to everyone so much for listening. Our numbers have really cranked up in recent weeks. We truly appreciate it. Please keep telling your friends, keep liking, keep subscribing, keep sending the links out to everybody. Keep telling everyone I listen to these two morons and they're very funny and informed. We love doing this show. We want to keep bringing you more of them. Please support Jansen. Please support Alan Oak. We will talk to you next week. See ya.